This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, remember about 18 months ago when there were no sports at all? We all got into Bulgarian soccer and Ukrainian table tennis because that's all there was. Uh, Sportscaster types were making videos, doing play-by-play of traffic going by. Uh, Let's just say things are reasonably back to normal. I have no idea how to jam all of what happened at City Field this weekend into a 20-minute podcast, but let's figure it out as we go, okay? It's you and me together, as I quote Hall and or Oates, I believe. In that vein, who among the Mets and Yankees would emerge as Hall? Who would emerge as Oates? One of the two would be Hall, the popular one. The other would be left in the dust as simply Oates. We'll answer that fascinating riddle... Next. Mets in the morning. Mets in the morning. Oh, yeah. Mets in the morning. Gonna tell you what the Mets are doing while coffee is brewing. Now, here's Josh Lewin. Scoodly down. And the Mets emerged from the weekend as. Daryl Hall, the better of the two. It was a necessary step to keep their hopes for the playoffs afloat. Stay tuned for what happened in the Sunday game. It will be worth it, especially if you like Lindor and the three home run games. Josh Lewin with you. So much to get through, so we'll get right to it here on this Monday morning with the Cardinals now in town for a three-game series. But yeah, first the emotional three-game series against the Yankees. And since July 5, Yankees, second best record in the AL. Mets 11th best record in the NL. Sounds like two teams headed in opposite directions, but remember the Yankees came in having lost six straight. The shine decidedly off their star. And Friday, the Yankees were terrible. I mean, bad news bears the first time we see them take the field terrible. Gary Sanchez missed a tag. Even Engelberg could have made that play, to put it in the parlance of that movie. Gio Urshela and Glaber Torres threw balls away. In the meantime, the Mets, they were great. Rocking the black jerseys. Jeff McNeil dragged a bunt single like he was Timo Perez. Uh, Baez continued his assault since coming off the IL. 12 extra base hits, 12 runs batted in in his last 65 at-bats. That bunt from McNeil, a bases-loaded bunt hit. The second one in Mets history. First by a position player. Bill Pulsifer had the other one back in 1995. We're told it was also just the third Bases loaded bunt single with nobody out in the last 30 years of Major League Baseball. The Mets scored five in the third. Their top four hitters in the lineup combined to go five for nine, three walks, seven runs just in the first four innings. Pete Alonso, part of that onslaught, he is leading the Mets in doubles, triples, and home runs. The only Met ever to do that in a single season. If you said Howard Johnson, Howard Johnson is right. And one of the fun highlights to play for you from that 10-3 win, a little long ball from Mr. Smile, Francisco Lindor. Lindor is the batter with one out, nobody on. Pitch. Lindor drives one toward the right field corner, slicing down the line. It's deep, and it is a home run! 
It's off the foul pole down the right field line, and it's a homer the opposite way for Francisco Lindor. Thanks to WCBS and overall, the four-time All-Stars numbers are still career lows, 222 batting average, sub-700 OPS. But if you look at Lindor's numbers since Memorial Day weekend, they're about his career average. I mean, basically, he just got killed by those first nine or ten weeks. Through the end of May, 195 hitter against fastball since then, 304. Anyway, the home run for Lindor, the rest of the offense clicking. With that, we could all just sit back and enjoy Tyler McGill doing this. Two balls, two strikes, and Gallo the pitch. Swing and a miss, strike three. That's the 10th strikeout for Tyler McGill. It's his first double-digit strikeout game in the big leagues. That pitch, 97 miles an hour. Last time McGill had more than nine strikeouts in the game was May 22nd for Binghamton. Mets pitchers with 10 strikeout games against the Yankees to Grom, Dylan G, Sean Estes, Glendon Rush, and Masato Yoshi, and now McGill. Final line for him, seven innings, four hits, two runs, both earned, one walk, 10 strikeouts. He met the media after the game. Hey, Tyler, what were you uh, able to do so effectively against this lineup tonight? Um, I'd say command the zone from bottom to top with all three of my pitches. And you know, make them feel uncomfortable. So that's good. You know, I know you've been asked about this a, a bunch of times before. Just how many innings that that you're pitching right now? This is, you know, far more than you ever have as a pro. Have you learned anything about about your body, about your arm? Have you had to fight for anything just to remain this effective, going this much, you know, deeper in terms of innings than than you ever have? It all comes down to your preparation in between starts and, you know, doing the things needed to make your body feel right. And, you know, there's things that I like and there's things that I talk about with our other pitchers and just, you know, what their routine is and trying to implement some of the things that they do into my routine. So, I mean, it's all about taking care of your body. Last time McGill had finished the seventh inning of a game five years prior at Cypress College. He had been a revelation. Through the end of July, at a 2 ERA in his first seven starts. Then he worked over his next seven starts, allowed, uh, well, 25 earned runs for a 6.4 ERA. This was a return to what we hoped to see. Set career highs in innings and strikeouts, joining Steven Matz and Hisanori Takahashi as the only Mets rookie starters to beat the Yankees in the regular season. The man who caught him had a big night as well. Let's hear from James McCann, courtesy of WCBS on the field. James McCann, your first Subway Series game being part of the home side. What was the atmosphere like tonight for you? It's a lot of fun. Um, I mean, there's nothing like uh, you know, Subway Series. I remember growing up as a kid watching them on TV, uh, being a part of it. Uh, it's a special atmosphere for sure. Those five runs in the bottom of the third inning, we know this team struggles with runners in scoring position, especially the last two nights in Miami. How did it feel to be able to break through like that against this team? Yeah, no, it's uh, it's big. Um, you know, it's, it's no secret we haven't uh, had, had a lot of success this year with the runners in scoring position, uh, but that doesn't take away from uh, what we're trying to do as an offense and, and come through in those big spots. Um, and tonight we were able to do that. And, uh, you know, it's, I'd say it's a lot more fun to have games like this than to have the, 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 the nail briders. In that Friday game, first extra base hit for McCann since August 3, first RBI since August 12. The seven-run margin of victory, the largest against the Yankees for the Mets since 08, made the Yankees 2-11 their last two weeks. First stretch like that they've had since the end of the 
2000 season. Then, of course, they uh, went and won the World Series at the Mets' expense a month later. Yankees got home runs from the imported Italian Stallions, Gallo and Rizzo, but that was pretty much it. Make it seven straight losses for the Yankees. Big win for the Mets to stay five in back of Atlanta. And the Mets at this point had won three of the four meetings with the Yankees, outscoring them 30-15, to outhitting them 41-20. to It felt good leading into the emotionally charged 9-11 anniversary game of Saturday night on national TV. Man, since national TV messed up the pregame show with commercials and deep thoughts from David Ortiz instead of showing what was actually happening, here's some of what it was like on a memorable night at City Field. Ladies and gentlemen, encircling outfield for tonight's ceremony, please welcome representatives of the agencies that participated in the rescue and recovery efforts at Ground Zero. They are accompanied by 2001 Mets teammates who played a key role in helping our city recover from the attacks. The Fire Department of the City of New York, escorted by John Franco and Mark Johnson. The New York City Police Department, escorted by Mike Piazza and Al Leiter. The Port Authority Police Department, escorted by Todd Zeal. Emergency Management, escorted by Lenny Harris and Steve Traxel. The City of New York Department of Sanitation, escorted by Glendon Rush and Jay Payton. Department of Correction, escorted by Mookie Wilson. And the New York State Court Officers, escorted by Ray Ordonez and Edgardo Alfonso. special organizations created to help the city, its victims, and their families heal for the last two decades. Our first three stars include Tuesday's Children and Answer the Call, created by the Met's own Rusty Staub. Our final three are represented by the 9-11 Memorial and Museum Visionary Network, the Feel Good Foundation, helping those suffering from 9-11 related illnesses. And finally, Mets employees directly affected by 9-11 and those who worked tirelessly at Shea Stadium to aid in the support effort. Right now, Mets and Yankees players have come together 
near the home plate area and onto the field. Similar to September 21st, 2001, when the Mets and Braves shook hands and shared hugs before the game. The Mets and Yankees are doing that as well. And now they will line up along the first baseline. One Met, one Yankee on the third baseline as well. They will alternate Mets and Yankees before the playing of our national anthem here tonight. An incredible scene of unity between the two teams, the Mets and the Yankees, ahead of tonight's game. Thank you, Wayne Randazzo and WCBS. It really was tough not to have your lower lip quivering watching all that. Watching Bobby Valentine and Joe Torre each throwing out first pitches, hearing the bagpipes. Mike Piazza reflected on all the emotion before he took the field as well. I don't think it really gets any easier uh, as the years go on. I think time, I've heard time sort of has a healing effect. But, uh, you know, for me, especially when this date comes by every year, uh, it is difficult to kind of look back and um, the images for me and for I'm sure a lot of people are still very vivid in their minds and um, I think it's a wonderful thing that we do continue to honor them uh, on this day uh, I don't think it gets as I said any easier <laughs> as the years go by but the positive effect is that you see a lot about pouring of love and affection and uh, the same sentiments that I think we had after the attacks uh, in the city. So, unfortunately, you do have to experience uh, tragedy to, to see triumph and see courage and bravery. And uh, so, as much as I'm sad uh, to see and, and remember the, the, the sad events, um, it's still uplifting to continue to reflect on it positive stories that that did come out of that week um but again i don't it doesn't really get much easier well said by mike piazza and then there was a game to be played a very important one at that but this was really more of an event than a ball game expertly orchestrated by the mets game day crew by the way and it really hit home when anthony rizzo draped an arm around his former cubs teammate javi baez who was standing next to him in that crisp white Mets uniform that featured the city's name, New York, instead of the usual script Mets. Francisco Lindor hugged his best friend, Gio Urshela. Michael Conforto embraced Luke Voigt. And everybody was pretty much down with it when uh, the PA announcer Marisol Castro declared it one unified New York. There were lots of chants of USA throughout the night. Lots of solemn and somber memories for sure, but also a game. One of a 20 left to be played for each side. One team tied for a wild card spot, the other still five games away. Corey Kluber against Taiwan Walker, and the Mets starter, Mr. Walker, was tattooed for a five spot in the second inning. Then he somehow retired the final 13 batters he faced. Even had an RBI base hit. Taiwan is 3 for 10 batting lefty now. He's been 1 for 35 as a righty. Baez had a laser of a home run to get back to within 5 to 4. Eight home runs for him as a Met in his last 26 games. Very Cespedesian. Highest slugging percentages ever at City Field. Well, Giancarlo Stanton is number one at 598. Anthony Rendon is next. Then it's Baez, ahead of everybody's favorite Met killer, Chase Utley. Thank you, Javi, for being ahead of Chase Utley. So the Mets had been down 5-0. They crawled back to within 5-4. And then 
With one man on in the last of the fifth, up came James McCann. Pitch. McCann, it's a high fly oh. ball. Left field. This is deep. Stanton back near the wall. It's gone. Home run. James McCann. It's over the orange line in left field. It's off the great wall of Flushing. And the Mets have the lead. Down 5 nothing in the second. The Mets have come back. And they lead 6-5. to five. McCann has homered off of Green for the second time in his major league career. It's home run number 10 on the season for McCann. And the Mets with six unanswered runs have come all the way back to take the lead. The McCann-do spirit, am I right? Embodied by every New Yorker and, hmm, the go-ahead home run by a catcher. On this night of all nights, the irony not lost on the crowd. McCann staying hot, triple Home run, three runs batted in in this game. He's now got as many extra base hits in his last two games as he had in his previous 26. Third Mets catcher ever with a triple and a homer in the same game. Jerry Grody and Todd Hundley, the others to do it. The lead would grow to 7-5 for the Mets, but they would give the lead back in the eighth when first Francisco Lindor failed to come up with a hot shot grounder from a Glaber Torres. Then trying to turn two, Baez's throw, over to first base, sailed over Alonzo. That was his 21st error of the year. Two straight potential double play balls. Neither of them completed as such. Yankees up 8-7. to seven. Oh, and the go-ahead run scored by Andrew Velazquez, native of the Bronx, son of a New York City police detective. Before that, Trevor May is the one that had allowed Judge's second home run of the night to tie it. May saying after the game he was mad enough to tip over the table in the Zoom room, but he couldn't because he knows the Mets would need the workspace again the next day. Nice guy, Trevor May. So a one-run deficit heading to the bottom of the eighth to commemorate the first game back after 9-11. Very interesting, very familiar. And with Mike Piazza watching on, the Mets had their chance to copy and paste from 20 years ago. They really did. Mike, three-syllable Italian last name at the plate with the Mets down by one. Conforto, not Piazza, but still, he draws a walk. And Pete Alonso can be this generation's Piazza. He can hit the big home run in the bottom of the eighth. They were on the same conference call before the game and everything. Pass the torch, why don't you? Well, the polar bear takes a mighty swing, gets just under it. Ball is caught in deep center by Brett Gardner, just shy of the warning track. Reminiscent of Piazza's fly ball that didn't quite get out at Shea to end the 2000 World Series between these two teams, Gardner in the role of Bernie Williams. You really do root for Pete Alonso, don't you? I mean, he can choose to use his platform and his fame anyway. And right now, he's using it to help those suffering from the country's most well-known tragedy. He's not a native New Yorker. He's from Tampa. But he's ingratiated himself into this community because of his fundraising and philanthropic efforts. Went to Ground Zero Saturday. A couple of years ago, he was the guy that pushed for the Mets to break out the first responder hats, and both teams were able to do that this past weekend. The commemorative NFT with the uh, proceeds going to the 9-11 Memorial Museum. He's auctioning off his game-used spikes for charity. So say what you want about the misplaced Ted Lasso-style positivity and how it feels like there's 10 pounds of sugar in his mouth when he talks sometimes, but I think the guy is worth your time. Pete Alonso, after the game back on Sunday, August 8th against the Phillies, now famously said, Mets fans believe in us and don't just believe, no, that this is just a speed bump and a challenge. I understand that it's frustrating. It's frustrating for us. Just know that we've got this. And actually, since that comment, he's been the Mets' best hitter. The team has stumbled. Alonzo 
Hasn't. He's got the most extra base hits in the National League since he made that little speech. Remember in Animal House when Belushi said, Who's with me? And he runs out of the room at Delta House and nobody followed him. Yeah, it's kind of been like that. So anyway, still 8-7 Yankees to the bottom of the ninth against the often off his game or oldest Chapman. One out double from J.D. Davis. Kevin Pillar a chance to be the hero at the end as he's done before this year. He strikes out but is painfully unaware that the ball had gotten by the catcher. And that one second hesitation, the difference between him being safe at first on the strikeout wild pitch and being thrown out. So you got two outs runner at third instead of one out runners at the corners. And when McCann chipped a fly ball to regular depth right instead of that being the tying run on a sack fly, it was game, set, match. You felt for Pilar, who had had a really strong game with an RBI single and RBI double. You felt for Aaron Loop, who induced those three straight double play balls, but watched only one actually become a double play. You felt for Conforto, who's starting to do some really good things. He, he had been 1-for-28 against lefties in July at the peak of his struggles. Saturday night, he was 3-for-3 three three against lefties, and he's 12 for his last 32 against them. From a Yankees perspective, man, do they need that. After a lifeless seven-game losing streak, Aaron Judge hit the two home runs. Four home runs total for the Yankees, first time since 1999. They had homered four times in Queens. And the next two weeks now, the Yankees play the Twins, Orioles, Indians, and Rangers. If they can't make a run these next two weeks, forget it. For the Mets, as you know, their schedule's a lot harder. And make it 13 one-run losses at this point in the last 27 games. Last eight losses, all by one run. First time in team history. And in one-run games overall now, they're one for their last 14. How memorable would that have been on Saturday night had they gotten away with a one-run win instead of a loss? Uh, As a collective, this game was still right up there. Didn't really have a seminal moment like when Luis Castillo had the drop or when Clemens drilled Piazza in the helmet, when Clemens uh, tried to get hit by Sean Estes, when Clemens fired his bat at Piazza, when Timo Perez was thrown out in Game 1, when Matt Franco had the walk-off single on an 0-2 count against Rivera. I could go on and on. But as a game... With so much on the line for both teams and with so much emotion in the stands, this one, of the 143 played between the two crosstown rivals, I think this one was absolutely top three or four on the list. After it was over, Luis Rojas met the media and talked about how it all slipped away. Eighth inning, yeah. Uh, well, the guys coming in, uh, Robert May, four seamer, uh, can play well against that uh, group in the middle of their lineup. Uh, that's what we went with that decision. We're going to go Lugo, May, uh, and then same score. We're going to go Diaz in the ninth. But that was the decision. May's been throwing the ball well lately for us. He's been placing his four-seamer uh, well. He's been missing, uh, mixing secondary pitches well. Uh, probably not the case tonight with the pitch selection. Uh, fastball happy with Garner and then a uh, changeup. To uh, to judge and uh, you know that's that's what led to 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 a homer change up up in the zone. I mean, good batters or power hitters like Aaron Judge are not going to miss those pitches. All right, there's a manager. One tough loss after another these days. Again, eight straight losses by just one run. If you win half of those coin flip games, you are one game out of first. Instead, of course, five games out heading into Sunday. Overall, 57 one-run games played by the Mets. No one else in baseball with 50. So, all right. We'll wash the paintbrush off in the sink. Get ready to go again now. The Sunday Nighter on ESPN. After a full day of NFL football and the U.S. Open, how much can our little brains take? 
Carlos Carrasco against a combo platter of Yankees, with Garrett Cole being skipped with a sore hammy. The Braves had won. The Phillies had lost again to the Rockies, which is crazy. For the Mets, Carrasco, 55 pitches to get through two long innings, but the Mets picked him up. Down 2-0, they scraped for one in the first, three in the second, on a towering home run to left by Lindor, his fourth home run in his last 10 games. Oh wait, there will be more. Meantime, the Yankees spinning their wheels. Judge, two strikeouts, his first two at-bats, career 0-for-8, eight, eight punch-outs against Cookie. And Judge left early because of dizziness. They could have used him at the end. Carrasco settled down after one of his patented rough starts. That's been his M.O. as a Met. Brutal in first innings, excellent thereafter. He departed after five. Mets with a chance to break it open in the fifth, still up 4-2. to two. They settled for one on a James McCann sack fly. Big extra run at the time because once Jerez Familia came in, a walk, then a two-run home run allowed to Glaber Torres, just his seventh all year, just his second on a fastball all year. Nine homers by Familia, a career high. So now 5-4, and then Lindor with the old do that to me one more time. His second home run of the night. Third of the series, one from each side of the plate in this one, 11th Met ever to turn that trick, and the second Met this year, joining Jonathan VR. That second home run, 436 feet. And since apparently the night before, Jonathan VR had figured out the Yankees were whistling to alert what pitch was coming with Tawan Walker on the mound, after Lindor hit this home run, he turned to the Yankee dugout and whistled at them. Classic. However, when Stanton then destroyed a two-run homer off Brad Hand in the top of the seventh, Stanton whistled at Lindor during his home run trot. The bench is empty. No punches exchanged, but a lot of milling around and a lot of lip readers headed to check the replays. So much for the unity of one New York. Oh, and this question, why do you throw a fastball middle in a Stanton? He only hit it 443 feet. 6-6 until Lindor enjoyed the last laugh. A very hearty last lap. 2-0 pitch. Lindor hammers one. It's deep to right. Gallo's back near the wall. He's at the fence. It is gone. Home run number three tonight. Francisco Lindor has put the Mets back on top. It is seven to six here in the bottom of the eighth. Just the third ever three homer game by a Met in Queens. And with all due respect to Kirk Newen, Heiss, and Lucas Duda, this was the one that will be remembered most fondly. Now we've got our seminal moment of this series, don't we? Lindor flexed when he crossed home plate. Fans with a Puerto Rican flag were dancing on top of the visitors' dugout. Oh, it was a scene, man. All the Mets needed to do was now get those final three outs to finally win a one-run game and to get back to 500 for the season. Two on, two out, because of course it's never easy. Is Edwin Diaz against, yeah, Stanton? The man with the best career OPS in the history of City Field. Already a long home run. The chirping at Lindor. A cross-up on one and two. Bounces off McCann's glove, so it's runners at second and third. Stanton then gets jammed. Pops out to who else? Lindor. Mets win. Get back to 500. What a night. Longest ever Subway Series game. In excess of four hours without a bottom of the ninth. But hey, they won a one-run game. How about that? Wish we had more time to tell you about this upcoming series with St. Louis, Louie. We'll save the Cardinals scouting report for tomorrow, but tell you quickly that tonight it's two old guys, Adam Wainwright against Rich Hill on the mound. By the way, Rich Hill hasn't allowed more than four runs in any of his last 47 games started, doing that between the ages of 39 and 41. True, he always gets yanked in the fourth or fifth inning, but that's still pretty remarkable, always giving up two or three runs, seldom giving up zero, 
but never laying the egg that a five or six run thing would be, and you appreciate that. Wainwright, 15 wins, 2.980 RA, keeping the Cardinals in contention. Three-time All-Star, two-time Gold Glover, World Series champion at the Mets' expense. We don't need to go much deeper than that. But at 40 years old, he will indeed be the younger of the two starting pitchers at City Field tonight. Wainwright debuted against the Mets at this very time a year in 05, gave up three runs in one inning. Why could he not also have done that in October of 2006? Music is up. No more time to ponder such ponderables. I love a good ponderable. Don't have time to do it right now. Oh, I could do ponderables all day. The Mets five games out with 18 still to play. You want a good ponderable? I'll give you one good ponderable. They're all like Stephen Wright one-liners, but you know, if you melt dry ice, can you swim without getting wet? That, for example, is a ponderable. And again, we're out of time. We do have time to thank the glorious Mets in the Morning house band. Always give them their due. On keyboards, Mike Glavin. Slapping the bass, Tom Glavin. The horn section, it's Mackie Sasser. And on drums, ladies and gentlemen, Gavin Cicchini. This is Josh Lewin. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you come back again tomorrow. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.